Let's cross now over to the UK. Uh, our good friend Brendan Nell uh, is up there. Uh, he's out of the Republic. He's in London before he heads over to France. Uh, good morning, Brendan. How you doing? Good, good with you guys, man. Always good to chat to you guys. Yeah, good to chat to you too, mate. I mean, uh, we're reading all sorts of stuff. It must be, it must be fascinating being there, especially being mixed in with the press corps and everything at the at the moment as an outsider looking in to the uh, to the England setup. I mean, when was the last time England could only couldn't sell forty thousand tickets to a test at Twickenham? <laughs> yeah, they. Not in a good space at the moment, but they tend to do this before World Cups. If you think in 2007, they, they had that player revolt right at the beginning of the World Cup. Uh, 2011, they had the dwarf tossing. Remember all that mm-hmm. stuff? And uh, yeah, in 2015, they couldn't get out their group. So they tend to go into these World Cups all disorganized. But yeah, I, I think uh, I'd rather be in other team spaces at the moment, concentrating on, on rugby and not uh, fielding all the sideshows at the moment. Yeah, well, that seems to be it. I mean, we're still waiting on Owen Farrell, Billy Vunapola. Vunapula decisions, um, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but you mentioned they didn't get out of their group in 2015. You know, I've been looking at the group that they have got. Includes Samoa, Argentina, who beat them at Twickenham last season, Japan. It's not the worst group in the world. I reckon there's every chance, when you're only averaging one point every time you get into the opposition 22 at the moment, the worst in world rugby, every chance they don't get out of the group again. Yeah, I, th- I think... I think I- Argentina will definitely get out of that group. I think the big thing is just how good are Samoa and it, are they good enough to take down England? Um, I think that's the big thing. I don't, th- I think, don't think Japan's really where they were a couple of years ago uh, unless they come, come suddenly into form. But uh, yeah, I think England will probably have be good enough to beat them anyway. But uh, yeah, I think Samoa's the big game for England there. And if they, if they can't beat them, they're definitely out of the group. You, you raise a good point, Brendan, about uh, how scratchy they are going into the World Cups with all the the um, the issues that they have. But seriously, what's the talk on the ground up there in and around the way that uh, Steve Borthwick has, has taken the side on and, and getting them prepared for the Cup? Well, I think there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of sort of disbelief at, at the way. I think a lot of the English tribes that we've been chatted, chatting to you know, sort of um, all sort of felt that, that he would come up with a much better plan and they would get some sort of momentum but you know, they, they take away I mean, away from the two red cards their performances, Ireland, Ireland dismantled them pretty easily and um, yeah, they, they've been pretty terrible. I mean, I, you can't you can't say anybody in their right mind wouldn't put a wouldn't put a pound on them at the moment at the the bookies, because it's just uh, yeah they they're not showing any form. They don't look like a happy team. They don't look like a team with momentum. And uh, yeah, as I say, got all these sideshows at the moment that's sort of distracting them. You sort of really wonder how they're going to do at the World Cup. E- even if they make it out of the group, you can't see them going much further. You got your finger on the pulse up there, Brendan. What are you hearing around the the hearing? I mean, we went to bed last night expecting to wake up to a decision on Farrell and a decision on Vunipulu. We've got neither. <laughs> uh, I think they're taking their time on this one, especially the Farrell one. I think it's just, yeah, it, it, it's been. But I think Andy Andy Farrell was right on on the one thing about Owen's thing is is it is a circus. And unfortunately, it's a self-created circus. Uh, I think if, if if the original decision was what we all thought it would be, which would be uh, a number of week ban, uh, but suddenly, you know, so World Rugby shot themselves in the foot. And I know it's Six Nations that control the disciplinary, but I mean, World Rugby ultimately controls the whole disciplinary process. So I think, yeah, unfortunately, I think we all know that once you get a bunch of lawyers involved, 
the the it's going to take a while, and it's going to yeah they're going to sort of nitpick on the the smallest things, and I'm sure England will be fighting this tooth and nail, you know, try and get their their players through, because it's two very valuable players for them, for the World Cup, and uh, yeah, I don't know, it's just it's, it is just a bit of a a, a mess. I'm, I'm trying to think of a better word. The word keeps on coming to my head, which I can't say on your radio. It starts with cluster, and I think you know what the rest of it is. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right, mate. I mean, I I did wonder whether or not the thing holding everything up was it was Billy Vunapula's involvement with World Rugby. Going, hang on, he's Tongan, so he should get six weeks, but he's also English, so we should just shout him a high tea and and, and congratulate him for a great performance. Well, maybe Bill Beaumont's somewhere involved there. I don't know. We we don't know about these things, but uh, yeah, it certainly seems like there's one set of rules. If you just look at the George Morales situation, there's one set of rules for certain teams, and you know others for other teams. Yeah, definitely the way it looks, mate. Isn't isn't that the um, the issue though, Brendan? You know, like now that they've made a decision to to let Owen Farrell off, and then Vunapula comes up basically the week after, and they've they've gone well. What do we do now after the Mawala? Um, uh, circus has, has gone through the socials all about getting a decision that is I guess um, taken by everyone as sensible and, and the length of time is part of that well, you sort of get the feeling, and I mean, look, this is just from an outsider's point of view, because I mean, we don't know what's going on inside that that building, but you get the sense that at some point uh, they don't they want to try and come up with a middle path that the, the players still go to the World Cup, but they get a ban, and uh, yeah. so everybody's, I, I suppose, satisfied. But um, I'm not quite sure how you can do that, and I think I think the biggest problem with the Farrell thing is not about Owen or or, or the circus that it created. It's just a, it's about consistency and I mean I've, I've made this point a couple of times you know in the places I, I sort of write on my YouTube channel and things like that where you know how do you tell a player that has an accidental clash of heads that he's going to get a three-week ban for something that's accidental even though it's I understand it's in the rules it's head contact all that and then somebody who tucks their shoulder and, and literally the tackle's never legal gets off scot-free and, and I think that's the biggest thing for everybody is just the consistency and uh, you know if we saw players treated fairly if we saw the, the the decisions all sort of come sort of consistently and fair enough yeah and there they might be one or two that sort of are outliers but um, if just generally you saw these things going and you could the, the average fan could say oh well that's an illegal tackle that's three weeks or it's a, it's a high point entry at six weeks then it's fine but I mean we don't actually know anymore and, and, and it sort of differs it depends on what lawyers you have and it depends on you know who testifies this I mean, it gets rather ridiculous at times. It does, mate, and, and you're 100% right, because that's the other thing that people are missing, is that actually for the feral tackle, the uh, the starting point is 12 weeks, not six. It's 12 weeks, yeah. and then you get mitigation if you've got good behaviour. Well, this is his, his fourth offence. He's been to tackle school. It's made no difference. So I think what might be holding this up is they're like, well, if we actually treat this properly, he's gone for the World Cup altogether. Well, yeah, and I mean, you say it's his fourth offence. I mean, you're talking about the ones he's got pinged for. I mean, yeah, you just have to look back to 2018 when he took out Andre Estes and there at the end of the game. And I think what incensed a lot of South Africans was the celebration after that where he didn't get the penalty against him. Um, yeah, it's, it's those sort of things that fans remember. And, and, and that's why he, he becomes such a controversial figure. And I mean, look, this shouldn't be about Owen. It should be about the tackle and, and then the situation. And, and you're right. If, if that is the, the, the rugby laws, that's what it should be. And yeah, you know, nope, it doesn't matter who the player is, it should be treated according to what the rule book says. Well, it's uh, eight, what, nearly eight o'clock in the morning down here. 
uh, Brendan. So the the chairman's uh, he should be out of bed there. He should get an answer on on what's going to happen shortly. Uh, you can South African name your squad as well. What do you make of that squad? Uh, good squad. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, it's 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 obviously you always think we thought they might be getting, getting a lot closer to their, you know, their final starting fifteen. But it seems uh, at least up front they have. Um, but, but in the back line, there's still a bit of experimentation. And obviously, Kanan Moody's the one that jumps out. Um, he last played at thirteen at school. Um, okay, not that he's really out of school that long. He's only twenty years old. But uh, yeah, I think if if it wasn't for the two men of the match performances that he had in the last two tests um you know i think that sort of gave the the management team the sort of um i suppose luxury of, of playing him at 13 and you know seeing what's happening i i think i think one thing though i mean you're not going to get a greater test than the all blacks mm. so if he comes through yeah i think they know they've got a guy for the future there do they play do they play their best team against the all blacks in this uh warm-up game for the world cup no, the, the the forwards are pretty pretty much pretty close to what they. I would say maybe barring one or two. You know, with the Springboks, the the front rows doesn't really matter. They both pretty powerful. Um, yeah, the lock combinations a lot closer. The five locks not not settled yet. But Franco Most has played there a number of times. Uh, the loose trio, you know, Sia, Peter, Steph, Dwayne is about as good as it comes. But then in the back line, I mean, Damon Williams is not the first choice fullback. Uh, the wingers, you could probably say, are debatable. And the, and the midfield combinations, probably a second-choice midfield combination. So, yeah, there's a bit of experimentation in the back line. But uh, in the forwards, it's definitely very close to the, the first choice. And I think that's just, just why they've done that is because if you saw that start they had in Auckland, where they, they struggled in that first 20, when the bomb squad came sort of on and that last 20, many of those guys are starting this weekend. So they've almost turned that game around for them. So I think that's why they, they're starting these guys this week. Yeah, what about uh, Money Leboc? He's, he's had a couple of runs at 10 now. Um, still question marks over Andre Pollard, although Rassi seems to think he's going to feature at the World Cup <laughs> at some point. Uh, where are you on, on Manny Leboc? Is he the man to steer the Springbok team around if there is no Pollard? Well, I think what's giving most people the jitters is is, is, is that his goal kicking is not at the, <laughs> the greatest percentage at the moment. And, you know, he really reminds me of a sort of Carlos Spencer type of player. If you, if you look at the game against Wales, uh, he had some magic touches in some of the tries there. Some of his passes, those long-range passes were exceptional and they made tries. So he, on attack, he's an exceptional player. Um, goal kicking is where his problem is. He's kicking at 56% for the last two tests. And now we all know, yeah, in the Bok group, when they're playing Scotland and Ireland and then either France or New Zealand in the quarterfinal, you're going to want every single point that's on offer. And, and that's where the worry is. And, and I think, you know, to be honest, the Box haven't really made it very clear themselves. They've they've sort of fudged around the issue about Andre Pollard. Uh, yeah, Jacques Nina has told us that yeah, he, he wouldn't have been right by this week. But he's obviously... He's, he's obviously improving every time so they haven't named him in the squad but the fact that they keep on talking about him and keep on saying but he'll be ready by the time they play Scotland sort of almost fuels these sort of conspiracy theories that somehow he's going to get back into the team without an injury or some player is going to drop out to make way for him and I mean it's just ridiculous and and, and unfortunately they're their own worst enemy they keep on talking like that and they sort of fuel these whole things that people think it's still going to happen What what do you make of the All Blacks leading to the World Cup uh, Brennan, you know, you've obviously watched a, a few of those games um, over the last few weeks. Do you think that uh, given that Fr- France and Ireland, uh, Intermax out of the France side and Ireland uh, are still holding that favourite tag that the All Blacks have sort of picked their game up and can compete? 
Yeah, I, th- I think definitely. I th- they're definitely a much better side than the, the side that came to South Africa a year ago. Um, you can really see Jason Ryan's done a lot with their pack of forwards. Um, you know, I, I've always said, I mean, you know, being from South Africa, you never write off in the All Blacks quite, but a lot of people a year ago were. And um, I think from then, the, the way they performed in the rugby championship and the way they've they've sort of picked up their, their pack has really improved. And you know, South Africa's got probably one of the best packs in the world and the way they stood up to them in Auckland. Uh, you know, just showed how far they've come in the Jason Ryan. I just think there's the All Blacks have got this ability to tear a game open at any point. I think they, they it's hard to say dark horses because I'd never say they were out of the sort of top two, three teams in the world. But um, yeah, if they can get through, if they beat France, they'll they'll have a host, a, a whole lot of confidence going into those quarterfinals. And yeah, I, I can see them going all the way as well. Look, I mean, the World Cup, you need a bit of luck as well. So you need a couple of things to go your way. And as you guys know from, yeah, there's there's a forward pass here and there, or there's a, you know, things like that happen. If you get all those things to go your way, then you can win the World Cup. But you have to control, you know, we control what you can. And at the moment, they're doing pretty well. Yeah, they are doing pretty well, mate. Uh, there was a big news story, of course, here yeah, that you know that you're aware of. Uh, Steve Hansen uh, going to help Eddie Jones out for a week. That's caused all sorts. Uh, our PM even said uh, they, they should revoke his citizenship um, off the back of it. Um, I, I know he was joking, mate, but, I mean, like, shoe on the other foot. If, for example, uh, you know, Rassi Erasmus goes and, uh, and uh, to help England or to help the All Blacks, uh, ahead of a World Cup, what would the reaction have been in South Africa? Do you think? <laughs> I think it would probably be the same, but it's a bit of a storm in the teacup. I mean, I did quite enjoy Dane Coles as a, a reaction when he when he heard it. That was probably the most natural reaction I've seen in a rugby player in a long time. But uh, yeah, I, I can understand. And obviously, having you know, been in New Zealand a couple of times for tests and things like that, I know how seriously you guys take these things. Uh, uh, I I just I think it's a masterstroke by Eddie. I mean, he keeps on keeping all the all the focus on himself, not on his team, and he finds ways of. Yeah, talking about everything else except the way the Wallabies are playing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to blow up in a couple of days. And I'm, I'm sure probably Steve Hansen's probably quite sorry he did it because of, of everything that's happened since. Mate, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Hey, uh, Brendan, before we let you go, uh, I know we're uh, we're not long away from the start of this World Cup, but uh, what, what, what are your prospects, mate? What are you thinking? Who are you picking? Who's going to win it? And what chance are we going to see a Springbok All-Black final? Oh, I'd love it if it's the Springbok All Black final. I think both teams have got extremely hard routes. Probably the Springboks got probably the hardest route. Um, you know, everyone's talking about them in Ireland, but Scotland in the last couple of weeks with the way they played against France are going to be extremely difficult, tricky team to 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 play in your first game. Um, so I think if the box look if the box go all the way, they've got a, I think they're a better side than they were in 2019. But um, the, the the road is also tougher, so you're going to need a bit of luck. And if you can get out the pool and you can get past the quarterfinal, I think they can go all the way. And the same with the All Blacks. Um, yeah, I, 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 the only thing I, I sort of worry about is that you know somewhere along the line you pick up you know, a red card or you do something like that. And teams like Australia and England who sort of maybe gain momentum by being in you know groups that are, are, are lot, not not as tough as the other side of the draw, you know, sort of build momentum from that. And they, they just need one good game then. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting World Cup, but it could easily be a Springbok All-Black final. Yeah, it could be, mate. Hey, listen, really appreciate your time, Brendan. Thanks very much for coming on. Enjoy the Test match this weekend, eh? 
Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's 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 the most unfriendly, friendly game I've ever <laughs> had to cover. So. Yeah, mate, I, I I just I just have flashbacks to before the last World Cup when uh, Brody Retallick got <laughs> shoulder barged uh, and and uh, you know it was a no arms <laughs> tackle that never got picked up, did his shoulder and was out for the start of the World Cup. I'm like, don't want to see that happening again. Bit nervous. No, nah, I, I hope I really hope whatever happens that both sides come through unscathed, and we're talking about rugby and not about other things as well. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Brendan Nell, thanks very much for your time, mate. Keep up the good work on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, he's up there doing all the presses, talking to all the players and all the coaches. It's Brendan Nell, and it's all these Brendan Nell. Uh, look up his YouTube channel; it's definitely worth subscribing to if you're a rugby head. Uh, you get all that information and more.